Hello, boys and girls. It's Friday, August the 6th, 2021. Another day in the neighborhood. Today, I want to talk a little bit about something I'm calling HEARTS. What is HEARTS? HEARTS is an acronym that I created a while back. It's called Healthy Attitudes and Routines Trigger Success. I like that. HEARTS. Healthy Attitudes and Routines Trigger Success. Now, I can tell you absolutely unequivocally, beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt, that the pandemic and all the things that are going on are causing people to have unhealthy attitudes, unhealthy routines, and it's triggering bad, bad things. We don't want to do that. So let's sit down, have a conversation about the pandemic and about remote work, talk a little bit about how vital communications have changed. We've talked about this before, but let's take a different twist on something that um, I find of interest. I think you will as well. The Paul Truesdell Podcast is sponsored by Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, and Longview Forecasting, practical forecasting for the busy professional and business owner. The Paul Truesdell Podcast. General business and economic observations. Individual wealth. Tips, tricks, tools, or techniques. And things that made Paul raise his eyebrows, shake his head and purse his lips while taking a deep breath. Let's get started. So on the uh, television that I have, uh, the big screen across from me, I have Bloomberg playing right now, and I'm paying attention to what people are wearing. And I want to encourage you to consider getting dressed and going to work even though you're working at home. I know that there are a lot of people who are working goofy different situations, and virtual communications is definitely something that a lot of people need to do. So Phone calls. Good old-fashioned telephone calls are really less engaging when you think about it because there's no really virtual, visual clues as to how it's going. In addition to which, you know, I've got a lot of clients who travel and have a second home or third homes, and how do you get a hold of these people? How do you communicate with them efficiently and effectively? Well, one of the things you do is you do video communications. Now, the problem with older clients Older clients, people that are in their 80s, tend to engage with family on a virtual basis. They'll do FaceTime, but when it comes to professionals, they just won't do it. They just won't do it. But frankly, I have found that very few people are explaining how things are done and how, you know, you got to really sit down and just think about it. That's a little thing I say all the time. You got to think about it. So you got to commute. People are commuting. They're going back and forth to work about 20, 30 minutes either way. Now, traditionally, the commute has always been the single most miserable part of the day. Everybody complains about it. But guess what everybody is missing now? Guess what everybody wants to see come back? That's right, the commute. It's a weird thing. You would think people would be happy that it's gone, but people want it back. So I posted up online that there is a thing that people need to do, think about it in the morning, at noon, late afternoon, and before bed, and what is it? 
It's the most important thing that those who are successful do every single day. And now, folks, it's time for who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Money, money, money. Who do you trust? I wish uh, that I had some loftier purpose, but uh, I'm afraid in the end it's just the money. And that's why I do the podcast here. It's just about the money. I'm encouraging you to go, that guy's kind of interesting. I like what he's having to say or the heck with him. I don't want to hear it. So I want to talk a little bit more about my thing called hearts. Healthy attitudes and routines trigger success. So what does that mean, Paulie? What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means keeping track of things. Okay. Now, one of the things I've talked about extensively over the years is the importance of journaling. And I'm going to cover with you today how I journal and how I keep track of all the things that I do And I'm going to talk about it in a way that is going to surprise you. I know it's going to surprise you because the old-fashioned ways of doing things cannot be thrown out. I just got done having a business uh, appointment this morning with uh, some people that I'm, I'm doing business with. It's a mutual business venture. And I had to remind these folks that you got to write it down. You have to have a checklist. You have to commoditize things. When you always rely on remembering things off the cuff, you're expending energy that you no longer have that could be applied to things that you need to apply them to. So a guy like me, you might think, oh, this guy, I mean, uh, sure, you know, easy to say, but, uh, you know, it's all taken care of for him. Wrong. I work every single day, day in and day out, based upon checklists. And I journal, and I write things down. And I'm seeing this over and over and over. Now, I have a thing called One, O-N-E, One School. It's based upon the concept that there's old school and there's new school. So we take the O from old, and the N and the E from new, we combine it together, and we get a new school approach. What does that mean? It's a very simple concept. What you want to do is you want to use the best of the things that just aren't going to change. And you want to use the best of the things that are changing. Now, here's the key thing. Every one of us has a short-term and a long-term memory. A lot of times, our short-term memory, we need to write things down so we remember it now. Then, once we've done that, we need to contemplate it. We need to think and we need to work it. That's where you make your little revisions and you're, you're doodling and you're thinking things through. Then at the end of the day, you need to sit down and, or throughout the day as well, you, you need to document and you need to make sure that you're categorizing, you're putting things into, into the right format. Now, I, I tell you that the one thing that I would encourage everyone to do is to watch the television show on Prime, Amazon Prime, called Bosch. And there's one thing that overwhelmingly they do in that show is you see Bosch always reviewing the homicide book. We call it the murder book. Now, I was in law enforcement 197,000 years ago, and I can tell you this is how it's done. But murder books are not just the only way to apply what I call the three-ring binder effect. You can use it in so many different ways. If you uh, were in my office right now, I'm in my working office here at the Truesdale Professional Building, you would see row after row after row of three-ring binders on projects that I have that are ongoing or things I'm going to be reviewing, it's all tabbed out. Now, you would say, 
dude, I know that you are extremely technology focused. Why do you have these binders? Everything's available on the computer. No, that's that's true. Everything's available on the computer, but there's nothing that replaces just flipping papers and looking at things. When you look at people, like for example, on my big screen across from my desk, I got this my pool table and my sitting area, and, and then I have this big, giant, giant, giant screen. And it's next to my glass blackboards that I have. And when I say glass blackboards, they're literally black glass. And we use the white markers and all different kind of uh, day glow colors that, that uh, we, we do our, our, our brain draining and everything else there. But the thing is, I can't help but notice some of these men and women that get on Bloomberg and talk, they're dressed very casual. Some are they're just slobs. Of course, it's Friday, and, and that's not unusual. But the folks that are dressed appropriately, you pay attention to what they're saying. So what you got to do is you got to have a healthy, you got to have developed healthy attitudes and routines. These will trigger success, like getting up and getting dressed in the morning, being appropriately dressed when you're doing your virtual communications. When you are sitting down and having a telephone call, nobody's seeing you. It's easy. You can be in your underwear. You can have your flip-flops on. You could be doing whatever you want. It's just just audio. But if you're going to be virtual, too many people are not thinking through exactly what it is that they're presenting. It's not just the clothes you wear, but the backdrop and everything else. So when you see somebody, either obviously at their house or they're not at the office because they're doing everything remote, I look for the backdrops. Now, I use a professional backdrop, but I, I like looking at the backdrops of these people. What do they got going on? You see things are like, really? For example, some people use books as a backdrop. Others don't. But you get a real flavor for what a person is like based upon the backdrop. You can tell those that are methodically thinking it through, those who have written books, they have their book profiled and other things. Other people, no, they're just going with it. So imagine the image Somebody sitting back on their back porch having a glass of uh, iced tea. I've seen this on these networking events. They're just all chilled out, right? Oh, yeah, this is what I do and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely no care in the world for what they're doing. Then others, well, the basic looks like they're at a, their library. They have their bookshelf. They're dressed appropriately. Who are you going to do business with? Who are you going to do business with? I, I know who I do business with. With that being said, I got to get this out of the way. I got to do it every time. We right back in 52 seconds. Let me get this disclaimer out. Go get a cup of coffee and come right back. Due to Paul's extensive holdings and that of his clients, you should assume that he and his firms have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest exists. By listening to this podcast and using this website in any manner, you understand the information presented is provided for informational purposes. Nothing said, written, or otherwise communicated in any form should be construed as an offer, recommendation, or solicitation to buy or sell a security. So what I do is, uh, I'll tell you exactly how I do this, it's, it's very methodical. I keep with me at all times uh, the following items. I have index cards, I have a little thing called field notes, and then I have my moleskin, traditional size. I also keep with me a Sony digital recorder, and most of the time I have my phone with me. Wow, a lot of things to carry around. Not a big deal. I can literally run all the business functions I need out of that. But when I'm out and about running around, I have a trifold leather case. 
It can hold my phone, but it holds also my field notes. It holds my index cards. Well, why do you need two types of things? Well, the field notes, you it's, it's bound together. It's, it's held together very nicely, and it's, it's stapled with three staples. I really like field notes. You can go online and look field notes up. There's always a field notes, and they fit very comfortably in a, a, a pocket, pants, suit, even breast pocket for your shirt. Handy. Just need to have a pen around to, to make the notes. Sometimes, though, it's just handy to have an index card so I can lay things out and I'm, I'm getting ideas or I want to hand something to somebody. If I hand somebody to somebody, you know, a, a big note, I just take a picture of it. I keep the picture and give them the note or vice versa. Now, the other thing is my journal, which is my moleskin. And that has all of my to-do, what I'm doing. I have a whole code section. And it's basically based on the Cornell note-taking system. Take a look and go online, look up Cornell note-taking system, create your own, but the pages aren't going to fall out. It's nice and bound together. It looks good. And I work that thing, meaning when I get up in the morning and I go potty and I do my stretching and bending and I start my first round of of push-ups and sit-ups and, you know, get everything going and the old blood flowing, I always have my moleskin that I take a few moments to sit down and start working it. Now, as I'm doing things, a lot of times I'll have then an index card to making quick notes as I'm doing things. So if I'm going for doing my, my mileage, I try to get five miles in every day. If I'm, you got to get your, you got to get your cardio in. Okay. So you can get in the cardio in, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing pushups. Let's say I'm, I'm doing, you know, I've got seven pushups. Oh, I thought of something. Make a quick note of it. Stop. Think of it. Write it down now. Get it out of your brain. You write things down to remember it now. That's the important thing. Okay, so, or, you know, again, the other thing, that with the, the field notes, what I like about those is that it's, it's very durable. And again, you get all the multiple pages. But again, everything has a purpose. Now, what I do is I do that in the morning. I do it at noon. I do it late in the day when, you know, 5 o'clock when normal business hours are starting to close up. And I do it before I go to bed. What I find when I go to bed is I'll write things down, review the day, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to go and sleep on. That's a big deal. What I am telling you is all of the books I've read about success, all of the things I've, I've read and, you know, people that waste time and, you know, people are saying, oh, I feel so liberated because I don't, no longer have that commute. Well, people that were commuting, that are now working at home, that commute forced you a lot of times to sit down and think. You got that 30-minute drive. It gave you a chance to ramp up in the morning, and it gave you a chance to ramp down in the evening. The problem when you're driving is hard to make notes. That's the reason why I have a Sony digital recorder, because there are times I can't write it down. But I can pull my recorder out, and it's a little, just a little guy. Now, you might say, wait a minute, you got a phone. You can record things on your phone. Oh, I know that, believe me. But if I'm going down the road and I'm listening to a podcast, I'm listening to something I want, oh, I can just quickly pause it. And without having to fiddle fart around, trying to then open that program up, I have through muscle memory, I know how to turn the Sony recorder on. I know how to hit the button. I'm not being distracted. I can make my note. Hey, remember to do this, blah, 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 blah. And I can continue on with my podcast or whatever it is I'm doing, especially if I'm driving, I don't want to be distracted. I might have an idea for a chapter of a book. I might have an idea to 
do something for, uh, write something to a client, an email, a letter, whatever. I can rip this out and I've, rec- I've got it. Now, just because I've got it, you think, well, a chapter, how do you do that? Well, then I take the digital format and I can convert it from voice to text and it can be cleaned up. Either I do it or I have somebody here at the office do it. It's really efficient. My point is you have to have the right tools. Some people try to do everything on their phone. Don't do that. Don't do that. You have some people that try to do everything, just writing everything down. Don't do that. But at the end of the day, you want to put things together. You've got to have a system that makes sense. Okay, now I'm going to talk next about murder books. Uh, Murder books are nothing more than how you organize a case. And I want to talk to you about how to organize a murder book because by doing that, it may give you some ideas that you otherwise wouldn't think about. And I just think it's really, really critical that you understand everything has to be commoditized. Okay, with that, I'll be back. Let me uh, grab a cup of coffee. I'll be back in, oh, let's see, maybe, da, 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 da. give me 20 seconds. <laughs> Books are nothing more than how you organize a case, and I want to talk to you about how to organize a murder book because by doing that, it may give you some ideas that you otherwise wouldn't think about. And I just think it's really, really critical that you understand everything has to be commoditized. Okay, with that, I'll be back. Let me uh, grab a cup of coffee. I'll be back in, oh, let's see, maybe, give me 20 seconds. So when you become a police officer, a deputy sheriff, or wherever you work, one of the things that if you're fortunate enough to have a uh, TO, training officer, or field training officer, whatever, I call them TOs, when you have a TO that says to you, look, the elements of a battery are the same elements as a murder. You have a person who hits somebody and they may use a weapon, they may not use a weapon, but it's a battery. The elements for a battery are exactly the same as murder, except you got a dead guy. Okay. If you have an an assault, you made a threat on somebody. It's exactly the same as somebody shooting at you and they missed. That's an aggravated assault. The difference is they have a weapon. So what's an attempted murder? Well, that's always been one of those controversial things. And when I was in law enforcement, I charged a hell of a lot of people for attempted murder rather than aggravated battery. Because if you shoot at somebody, then you had the intent on killing them. And if it was not in self-defense, who am I to judge you? Let, let the prosecutor and let the jury decide if they can figure out the intent. But the point being is, I always took the stand in the side of the victim. Pull a knife, stab somebody, aggravated battery. The hell with that, charge him with attempted murder. 
So the philosophy that I have is having zero tolerance. And when you have a murder, though, that's eh, a big deal. Uh, that tends to be a big deal. You got to dot your I's, you got to cross your T's, and you're going to spend a lot of money. Now, in the next section, I'm going to talk a little bit about how the application of a murder book case file, the sections, how it's put together, how that will apply to those of you who are either self-employed or you're an employer. And so pay attention at the very end. I'll kind of tie it all up for business purposes, which is what this is always about. So here's the thing. You begin with a chronological record of what took place. You, you, you literally need to document all of the things step by step as to what took place in a homicide. Okay. Second thing, you want to have a crime scene log. All of the people that were present, whether they were law enforcement, uh, people of the public, your um, news people, uh, family members, at the time they arrived, the time they departed, everything is there. That's number two. Number three, you have the crime report, the initial investigation. Now, some agencies do not allow a patrol officer to write the preliminary report. I know that Tampa years ago used to do that. Great training. It was always designed to you know, continually improve people. I'm not going to get into it. Many agencies, what happens is you have people that, you know, the patrol officers can't investigate anything because as soon as anything big happens, they pull them off and they immediately begin the preliminary or the, the uh, secondary investigation. But hey, I'm not, I digress. Anyways, you have your, your actual crime report. Then you have a death report. Now that may be, it takes a whole bunch of different views. That could be your medical examiner. You have maybe your, your homicide detectives. There's a lot of different ways in which you can do what's called the death report. Okay, next, you're going to have your property and evidence. Next, your crime labs. Next, any vehicles that are involved. Next, what about arrest reports? Then what you have are related crime reports. Reports by you know, victims, suspects, witnesses, all that kind of starts pulling together that may or may not be related. Here's a couple other things. Then you have all of your follow-up reports, interviews, all of the ancillary, secondary things that go on. Okay, well, who's the victim? Well, now you have a victim section. You have a suspect section. And then you have a place for photo lineups. We still do photo lineups, and that's something that's a big deal. Wait a minute. We talked to a lot of people. That's right. You also have a list of all of your witnesses, all of your statements, and then something else you have. The officers at the scene, all of their handwritten notes, we need those as well. You see, not everything makes it into a report. Maybe that little squirrel with a triangle, what's that mean? Well, squirrel means that's important. A triangle is this is a change, and I noticed... Oh, boy, you got your own kind of jargon. Important. Why didn't you put that in your report? Well, I didn't think it was important. Now, you see what I'm doing here is I'm telling you the importance of writing it down so you remember it, not tomorrow, not next week, but right now, so that you can then stay focused on what you're doing. Okay, so we've got the crime scene, all the officers at the scene. Crime scene, you got diagrams, you got notes, you've got photographs, you got lots of things. And you got eh, the ambulance, medical records. Now, earlier I mentioned about the um, death report, which I'm not going to get into the details of that. You don't even go there with me on that. But then you have your medical examiner's report. 
Then you have all your communications. You have teletypes, press releases, bulletins, wanted flower flyers. You have newspaper clippings. You have just anything from social media, all sorts of communications. Really important. Okay, I got a search warrant. Got to put that in there. Miscellaneous notes, miscellaneous computer runs, ah, video. Got lots of video, lots of photographs. Now, we also have things like suspects. Suspects we've eliminated. Why did we eliminate them? And then finally, at the very end, you have all sorts of different things at the back of the book, which are just additional documents and things that, you know, where do they go? We don't know when you make it up. Now, that may sound like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're talking about 30 different sections that need to be worked when you have a murder. It's called project management. That's all it is. You got a murder. It's a project. Okay, we call it an investigation. When you're looking at stocks, when you're looking to invest, it's the same thing. It's called due diligence. Now, one of the things I get so sick and tired of, oh, you don't understand how hard this is to do. I understand it because I did murders. I understand how this stuff works, okay? Let's not go there. But if you have a fundamental understanding that everything is nothing more than project management, guess what? You don't leave any stone unturned. You don't fly by the seat of your pants. There's a process to everything. Now, form over substance, and you don't want that. Oh, I dotted the I's, I crossed the T's. Well, I'm glad you did that. But what you want to do is make sure that you got everything in its place. Now, you're getting ready to retire. What does any of this have to do with people who are retired? Well, let me tell you, if you're retired, I can absolutely unequivocally, beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt, guarantee you that at some point in time... Things are going to break. You're going to begin forgetting things. You're going to have a back issue. You're going to get diabetes. You're going to get a heart attack. You're going to get cancer. Life gets tough. You might have a stroke. You might, like I said, you might have a heart attack. A lot of things. Things happen. Guess what? Life doesn't stop. So making sure that you have things written down so that somebody can come into your life and pick up where you left off is kind of important. When you are at work, are you writing down all the things that need to be remembered so that if you're killed in a car accident, somebody can come in and continue to work? If you are an employer and you do not sit down and tell people, stop, start, it's time to start closing down. Closing down is not just turning the lights off, turning the computer off, picking up your purse, putting on lipstick, getting ready to get out of here, blow your hair, look nice and fancy, and go out for, the, for Friday. No, it means what have you been working on, writing it down so that we can pick it up in the event you get sick and you call in Monday because you, you partied all weekend and you're drunk. You know, come on, happens. We all know that. So this is part of organization. Go back to what I said before. I have index cards. I have my field notes. I have my moleskin. I keep my phone with me, and I keep my Sony digital recorder. All the different ways for me to get that data into a computerized format, I also, for ongoing prolonged projects, will actually duplicate in three-ring binder format, big, thick, three, six-inch binders. If I have a big project that I'm doing, I'll do basically a murder book. <laughs> I do a murder book. So you say, why? Why would you do that? Because that's the way real business people do things. That's the way we do it. You sit down and you put everything together. 
Okay, I'll give you an example. Say you got a crime lab. Well, you've got latent prints, you got chain of custody issues, you got DNA. There are so many different ways of doing things. But the murder book, having a chronological record, putting things in very methodically, you know, when somebody arrived, when somebody left, you know, when somebody said, well, you didn't tell me about that. No, you didn't read it. I put it into your, into your file. You went online. You've only been online to your, 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 your client file five times, and you're saying we didn't tell you, but it's been sitting there. You see, you got to protect yourself in a world in which, you know, you have all these attorneys that are struggling to make ends meet. So following a good old-fashioned murder book makes sense. If you'd like to have a copy of how this works out, let me know. Give me a, give, give me a ring-a-ling, ding-a-ling, uh, get a hold of me by phone. Give me a hold of me by, by text, email, use the contact form, and I'll, I'll give you a copy of what the, uh, I'll use the uh, LAPD uh, homicide. I don't have uh, Tampa's anymore, but I'll get you the, uh, what LAPD does currently for a murder book, and you can apply that to what you are doing. Now, let me take a quick little break. I'll come back in about 30 seconds. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I have used this approach to identify uh, whether a, a, an employee is going to be worth their, their weight. So if you're an employer or self-employed, stick around for the next section. You're listening to the Paul Truesdell Podcast. It's Friday, August 6, 2021. Use the contact form found on this page to schedule a time to chat with Paul Truesdell. Visit truesdell.net for a listing of the Truesdell companies. Well, before we wrap it up and call it a day, a couple quick, quick items here. When I have employed people, I always do the same thing. I give them enough rope to hang themselves. It's just something I've always done, and I've always been able to find out if somebody is going to have the potential and worth my time and effort to develop, and that is by giving them one simple project. And that project will be to do something like, listen, uh, we don't have right now a current list of all the items that need to be done for the receptionist. So when it comes to opening the office in the morning, which is your job, you make a quick little list of all the things that we've talked about and all the things that you think would need to be done. And if you have any questions, get a hold of me. So I'll, I'll do something like that for the receptionist. I'll do that for someone who is in marketing or for sales or for research uh, in technology, if you have a computer programmer. Now, computer programmers tend to do a better job at it. They tend to be able to get things in a good working order, but they tend not to you know, do the proper documentation. Uh, programmers are funny people. They, they understand the importance of, of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but having your documentation in clean, clear-cut format, if they do their own documentation review, but getting that out to others tends to be a little bit of a problem. I've known that. I've seen that for many, many years. But I've had people who literally, they just literally melt. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, let me give you an example, Louise. This is what I'd like you to do. What I'd like you to do is I want you to sit down and just think about what you do in the, in the beginning when you get here. Well, what do you mean? Okay. So when you come in, you have to turn the lights on, right? You turn your computer on, you enter your password codes, and you go to the front door, you unlock it, you 
turn the exterior lights off. You need to make sure that the lights are, are on, on the, in the waiting area. You need to make sure that the trash can and the, is, is emptied. You want to make sure that the, the toilet's clean. Every day you want to clean it. You want to wipe down the sink, make sure the trash is emptied. Get out the Swiffer and make sure everything is dusted on the floor. Dust off all of the tables. Same thing, wipe down all of the chairs. Because of COVID, remember we have a protocol to spray everything down. When a client comes in or a prospective client, when they leave, everything gets wiped down. We've been doing that now. So these are all the little things. I want you to write them down and give me a checklist. You would be surprised what typically happens. They melt. People can't do that stuff. Now, I'm not being mean. It's just what it is. But if, if you hire somebody and part of that job is doing projects and they can't do anything, you, if they can't do the most basic, fundamental thing like documenting all the steps that it takes to open the office, then what do you, you're going to give them a major project that you, could cost you millions or hundreds of millions of dollars? I don't think so. So I do these little things all the time. For, and I'm telling you, it's, it's been one of the greatest things in the world. And for me, I guess maybe it's just easy because I'm very comfortable with understanding the, the purpose and the need to have, I guess, just basically a murder book. You know, you, you cannot have unstructured filing systems. They have to have very methodical processes. Uh, murder books have been around f- since the 70s. And in many jurisdictions across the country, cases were lost because it was, just, it was just terrible documentation. But it begins by having the big sections, and then you work it down and work it down, and then you dot the I's and cross the T's. You don't assume anything. You literally work it very, very methodically. And in the TV show Bosch, again, it's on Amazon Prime, that's what you see. You see him going forward and backwards and just kind of working it and working it and working it. So when I began talking about the importance of taking notes, you take, it, take a note to remember it now. It doesn't mean that you're done with it. It means then you go back and review it and you think about it. And then the things that need to be kept long term, you do that. So you have your case histories, you have your client files, you, all these little things. You're building a repertoire that you can go back and pull from. And I've talked to a lot of people at these online networking events and otherwise before the COVID, we did a lot more in person. But here's the thing. Most people just don't take notes. Oh, they'll use their phone and they'll use some application that comes with an Android or whatever, you know, Microsoft, or I use Apple, whatever little application they came across. Others, they have more, applica- every application they they came across, they, they get. So they've got crap everywhere. You can't do that. You have to build a system. But as I said in the very beginning, I'm calling this, Hearts. Why? Healthy attitudes and routines trigger success. Just because you're working at home doesn't mean you can't continue. In fact, it's even more important to have your hearts lined up. You're not going to work. You're not commuting. You don't have that 30 minutes to kind of half-ass get it together, that 30 minutes to kind of half-ass melt down and get it. You don't have that, but you still have to do it. No ifs, no ands, and no buts about it. This has been the Paul Truesdell Podcast, sponsored by Fixed Cost Financial and Longview Forecasting. 
For more information about fixed cost financial and long view forecasting, visit the website for the conglomerate of Truesdell Companies at truesdell.net or call the corporate offices for the Truesdell Companies at 212-433-2525. That's 212-433-2525. All rights reserved. Everybody get up.